Welcome to another life-changing message from Pastor Vernell J.R. Samuel of Hungry for God Church. For more information, please visit our website, www.h4gchurch.com. John 3, 16, let's turn to that. John 3, chapter 3, verse 16, thank you. We're coming close to the close, close to the end of our Summer of Love series. And um, I had different plans in mind when we first started, but I feel like I wanted to go extreme and overboard to talk about the Father's love and God's love for us. I think that we need to we need to grow, grow and increase our understanding of how loved we are first. I think that we need to come into a deeper understanding of this to the point where I feel like at right now we're at a we're we're almost at a tipping point where some of you are about to finally cross that threshold in which the love of God is going to finally rock your world. You see, until you, until you, you, you really are, I mean, when you really experience his love, it changes how you live. You don't, you can't do life the same anymore. You can't. And so I don't want to just, give you words and information. I, I really want you to grab a hold of this love that the Bible says can't be, can't be known. It has to be experienced, amen? And there's one thing that stops people from loving. There's one major roadblock on the journey of love that the Lord just kind of inspired me to talk about today. That one major hurdle that so much of us, so many of us are going to have to break through, and I believe that today you're going to break free from it, is the issue of judgment. What I mean by that, the issue of judging people. God wants to set us free from judgment. He wants to set you free from the tendency you have to arrive to conclusions about people too soon. See, what judgment is, is placing a label. It's, it's, it's establishing an opinion about a person too soon. Too soon. Everybody has heard or should have heard by now that there is a day of judgment coming, right? If you've been in church long enough, you know, know that there's a judgment day. Hopefully, if you don't know, because this new generation, they don't hear a lot of stuff anymore, <laughs> right? Kids today don't even know the rainbow, what it symbolizes, because they see the rainbow on gay pride t-shirts and commercials and don't realize that the rainbow was first revealed in scripture, right? Through Noah and the promise of God to the earth to not destroy the earth with water. But there is a day of judgment coming the Bible speaks about. Amen? 
And that's at the end, right? We know there's a judgment seat of Christ. Revelation talks about the great white throne judgment. And so judgment is coming. Judgment is not uh, something that we're, at, we're teaching. Some people teach that there is no more judgment. I don't teach that because the Bible doesn't say that, right? There is a judgment day coming that we all should be ready for. Until that day, because there is a day of judgment coming, until that day, all judgment is premature. Because God has reserved a day for a final judgment, which means you and I don't have the authority or the responsibility of judging any person on this earth. You see that? John 3, 16, we all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What does the next verse say? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world or judge it but that the world through him might be saved. I want to show you another scripture in the book of John. John chapter 8, verse 15. Well, John 5, we'll go to John 5 first. On your way to John 8, stop at John 5. John 5, verse 22. For not even the Father judges anyone. Now, I'm going to just highlight some scripture so that you can see for yourself. Because more than anything else, God is love. More than anything else, God is love. And I want you to make note of that. Because I believe in the world, while we say that, I think more people see God as a judge more than they see him as love. While he is a judge... More than a judge, he is love. So people tattoo on their arms, what? Only God can judge me. But how many people have tattooed on their arm, only God can love me? More people see God as a judge more than they see him as love. Now we say only God can judge me, right? But what does the scripture say? The father judges no one. <laughs> but he has passed all judgment to his son. So the father isn't judging anybody right now. But he says, I'm going to let my son do the judging. Now let's look at John chapter 8. Verse 15. I'm going to let scripture interpret scripture. You judge according to the flesh. I am not judging anyone. The Father sent the Son in the world not to condemn or judge, but to save. John 8, Jesus himself says, I'm not judging anyone. So the Father isn't judging, 
And Jesus isn't judging. Why is the church judging? I want to set you free. See, at some point, the church has started to believe that their responsibility on the earth is to be the example of righteousness instead of the example of unconditional love. We think it's our job to show the world how right we are and how right they're supposed to be. And this is where we, this is where we have to begin to break the, the ice, so to speak, and begin to reestablish a new foundation for how we ought to deal with the rest of the world. Because what is a job of a judge? A judge's job is to judge. A judge's job is to judge fairly. A, ju a good judge deals with people according on the basis of what's fair. So a when you come into a courtroom, judgment that's supposed to be passed correctly or accurately is that we, we, we evaluate a case, we assess people and the situations, and then a judge is supposed to uh, 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 determine what's fair and what's right. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. We need judges, right? God, is, God raises up judges. We got a whole book called Judges, right? Judge, judges were God's idea to help, um, uh, uh, to help regulate our society and help pe keep people in order. And so what happens is this. While in the world we need judges, and that's why God also introduced something called the law, because the law also helps us to know what's right from wrong, what's good and evil. All that is great. But when Jesus came to the earth, he no longer dealt with people just based on the standard of what's right or what's fair. Because if he didn't do that, or if he didn't operate like that, he would be operating no differently than the rest of the Pharisees. So for example, when the Pharisees caught the woman in the act of adultery, what was fair, according to the law, was that this woman should have, be, should have been stoned to death because of her sin, breaking the law. Judgment for her, which was fair, was that she should have been stoned to death. Jesus did not treat her according to what was right or what was fair. It, the Bible didn't say they thought she committed the act of adultery. They caught her in the very act. <laughs> That's another conversation. <laughs> but by, by catching her in the very act, and they brought her to him, John 8, we don't want to turn to it, they brought her to Jesus in the middle of the room, embarrassed her, humiliated her in front of everyone, and said, according to the law, we should stone her to death. Jesus, we know, says, that you who have no sin, well, you throw the first stone. Jesus then turns when all her accusers leave and says to her, where are your accusers? And where are those who condemn you? You see, what they wanted to do was judge her for where she was. 
What they wanted to do was judge her for the position she was in. They wanted to judge her when she was at her worst. That's what judges like to do, spiritual judges. They catch people when they're at their worst and begin to condemn them or label them as this is who they are. Judgment is based on what you've done wrong, based on your past mistakes, and holding you and keeping you at that place. Jesus says to her, I don't condemn you because the son didn't come to condemn. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Well, according to the law keepers or the judges, that wasn't fair. Because there were some people who probably got stoned to death who did the same thing. How are you letting her go? So watch this. Judges want to deal with people based on what's fair or what's right. Jesus wants to deal with people based on what's love, not what's right. You see, what we are to realize is this. While according to the law, we're all guilty because we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory, what God now wants to do is put his love on top of judgment. When you put love on top, what happens is this. The Bible says he wants his mercy to triumph over judgment. So it's not that people won't do wrong. It's not that people won't do evil things. But what God wants to do is, even in the act, even when you're caught, even in the most horrible or, or despicable moment of, of behavior or, or behavioral lapse, God says, I'm not going to judge you at your worst. Why? Because while, while judgment is based on the past, love is rooted in eternity. Love sees your eternal worth, your eternal value. So I don't look at just where you are now because according to the plan and the potential and the purpose and power of God, I know God didn't create you to live this way. I know God has created you to be his son, to be his daughter. God has created you to be a glorious reflection of who he is. So any other behavior that I see from you is not the reality of who you really are. When you see people, when you see your kids, when you, when you see people act out of their, out of character, you see somebody will get out of jail and then, we will pin them or label them according to their past. You went to jail because you molested a little kid. For the rest of your life, we're going to label you as such and treat you as such. You can't get around kids anymore. You can't, you can't, you can't be in what, a certain amount of feet or miles or whatever, right? And we ultimately put them in this box, right? So here's what happens, right? Uh, Larry, bring that for me right quick. This is what judgment does and what judgment looks like. So watch this. Let's put a little, a little we're going to use this Coke. We don't drink this, right? That's good. Somebody said, well... <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> so here's what happens, right? 
we, we, we will catch people at their worst. And this coke in here is them at their worst. <laughs> it's not good for you. We'll catch people at their worst. And when we catch people at their worst, this is judgment. We put our lid or that limit on them and then we keep them in this state. Now, mind you, this glass is meant to be refillable. This vessel is meant to be poured into. But once I put a, lib a, label, a label or a limit on it, guess what happens? Nothing else can get in it. When you place judgment on a person, that's what you're doing to them. So we close it tight. Nothing can get in. Nothing can get out. And it makes sense to us because I know who you are. I know what you did. And we can explain. We can explain. See, this is, you cannot judge and love at the same time. Why you like to judge people is because it gives you an excuse as to why you can't love. That's what judging allows you to do. I got an excuse why I don't want to talk to them. I got an excuse why as to why I want to stay away from them. Hello? And then you keep them bottled up in this. Now the Bible says, no, what happens if you keep something locked up in this glass for too long? It starts getting spoiled. It starts perishing. When you replace, when you remove judgment, you reopen the lid. You take the label off. You take the limit off them. And now, guess what? I get to pour something else back in it. I do come. Love is grace in action. What's grace? It's giving people more than they deserve. So, if I define or label this person based on their mistake, I put a lid on them. But if I stay open-minded, if I stay open to the possibilities that God is able to do, exceeding and abundantly, if I remind myself that if they receive love, they have the ability to change, to become something better than they were in their past, what happens is this, hold this, as this person is in their state, my love is able to pour into them instead of labeling them. And as I pour into them, guess what happens? The stuff that was in them starts getting replaced. The dirt that was in them gets replaced. And then this unclean thing now has the ability to become something better than it was. Why? Because I didn't label them or I didn't put a lid on their life. We stop the power of God from being able to work in people's lives as when we begin to judge them. That's what you're doing. 
I'm going to show you another verse. John chapter 20. Thank you. John 20. Hurry up. John 20. Is it 20? I think it's 20. I saw this the other day, and I never looked at it this way. You want to see something? John 20, verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, this is after Jesus rose again from the dead, right? This is when he resurrected. Jesus comes to his disciples and says to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Next verse. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, wind you, this is Jesus now refilling his disciples after they turned their back on him during the cross. This is after Jesus could have judged them because they left him to hang on a cross by himself. Jesus comes back to them. Peace be with you. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at y'all. In fact, I'm going to pour my spirit on you again. <laughs> and the Bible says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Watch this. Look at the next verse. I love this. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you, uh, go back, if you retain or keep or hold on to the sins of any, they have been retained. I want you to see the power you have. I never noticed this until recently. Look at that. The Holy Spirit was given to the disciples and the Holy Spirit gives us the power to change. The power to be all that God has called us to be, right? The first thing Jesus said, told his disciples to do after, after releasing the Holy Spirit on them was to forgive the sins of people. The very first thing Jesus entrusted the power of the Spirit that brings change to his disciples, he told them to forgive. Why? Because the power of the Holy Spirit works where forgiveness is given. The power to change, the power to save, the power to heal, the power to deliver, the power to set free, the presence and power of God works in an atmosphere where forgiveness is. The minute you hold on to people's sins and you judge people, you're also stifling the breath of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, that God can work no miracles. God can't convert. God can't convict. God can't arrest a person because you're too busy holding on to grudges and too busy holding on to their sins. If you don't forgive, Jesus said, their sins won't be forgiven. Do you see how powerful you are, church? That's right there in your Bible. Do you know that you can be the reason why somebody goes to hell? Jesus. You, yes you, can be the very reason why somebody goes to hell. Why? Because you chose not to forgive them. And because you didn't forgive them, grace can't be released on them. Because you're blocking the grace to flow in their life.
When you choose not to forgive, you are instead choosing to judge. When you judge, you are also refusing the Holy Spirit a chance to bring change. This is why this church will always be a judgment-free zone. I don't care who walks through these doors. I don't care what condition they're in right now. I'm, I don't have no desire to judge them or label them for where they are now because I know if they hang around this atmosphere and climate long enough, no matter what condition, no matter what addictions, no matter what curses they walk in this place with, the presence and power of God will always be free enough for them to be able to have an encounter with God that would change them and set them free. Why? Because I don't, I, I don't look at them based on their past. I'm looking, them, looking at them based on their future. And there's a future in God for everyone. Hallelujah. Some of you, if you were to run down your story, and you will open up and tell us where you've been and what you've been through and what God has brought you from, if not for grace, where would you be? Come on. If not for mercy, where would you be today? And what God is challenging you and me to do is to live a, a judgment-free life. To live a condemnation-free life. You see, so this is why you got to change the way you see God. Because if you see him as a judge first... You would see, you would judge people first. If you see God as love first, you will love people first. And I know how much you have received that love in you by your desire to be free and forgiving to people. If your attitude is criticism and judgment and you're harsh to people that you don't even know their story. See, that's, this is what makes grace something different because you have to know people's story. You have to know what they've been through in order to be empathetic to them. A the minute you begin, the judges don't want to know too much of your past. They don't want to ask too many questions because they know if they take themselves out of just the facts and the details of the case and begin to understand your story, they'll probably be a little bit more lenient, more empathetic. To you, So they don't want to know that stuff. See, but before people stand before the judge in a courtroom, I feel like they should encounter the love of God through the church first. And have the, have the ability. So some, peop, some people are going to need to go to court and go to jail. <laughs> some people would need that. But even our, judge, our justice system is going to need reformation because people will stay in jail for 10, 15, 5 years, come right out, and there's no change. You know why? Because they went in condemned, and they walk out still feeling condemned. They come out worse. Why? Because now they're judged, and that poison inside of them starts to stay in them, and it just starts perishing. And they start perishing along with it because they don't believe that they can be something more. They don't, they don't believe that anybody believes in them. They don't believe that they can rise above it. They haven't been taught that there's treasure inside of their earthen vessel, that Christ in them, the hope of glory is in them. And if the church doesn't begin to speak into people's past and begin to point them to a desired future in which God can make all things new, that if anyone comes into Christ, all things are passed away. Come on. If anybody comes into Christ, they are a new creation. We have the ministry of reconciliation. We have the message that can transform a person from sinner to saint. 
See, if we don't believe that, who's going to preach it? Who's going to give people hope to know that where they were is not what they're destined to be? God does not want judgment to come out of you, church. The only thing God expects from his people today is that we will have a heart of love, a heart of forgiveness, constant encouragement, constant hope. That is our vocabulary. That is our vernacular. That everywhere we go, we will consistently, continually look at people through the eyes of grace, through the lens of love. We are seeing people the way the Father sees them. If he's not judging anyone, neither should you be. It's the simple gospel. The same way you needed forgiveness, your worst enemy needs it too. The amens are low. It's tight, but it's right. <laughs> Hallelujah. So let me end with this. John 12, verse 31. John 12, verse 31. All right. Everybody say now. Now. Now judgment is on this world. Now the ruler of this world has been cast out. The only person that is judged now is Satan. (laughs) The only person who is judged right now is the devil. Remember when Jesus said he was going to send the Holy Spirit? And um, we won't turn to it. I think it's John 16. He said the Holy Spirit is going to come. He's going to convict the world of three things. Of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He said uh, sin because they believe not on me. Righteousness because I go to my Father. And judgment because the prince of this world is judged. So what the Holy Spirit wants to now convince you of, church, is that the only person that is judged right now is Satan and his kingdom. And the Bible says that because the judgment is not on the world, but it's on him, the prince of this world or the judge or the ruler of this world, he's now supposed to be overthrown. And it's us, we're supposed to be the ones who have the authority to overthrow the devil. So what the devil tries to do is this. He wants to redirect the judgment on him on others. He wants to project the judgment that he knows is on him. He wants that to be on other people, and he wants you to partner with him to judge them because he wants to turn the attention off of him to people. So the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle a war with people, but against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places, the kingdom of darkness. Their job is to get you to see people the wrong way so that you can judge them, label them, stifle them so the forgiveness of God can come on them because there's no forgiveness on him, only judgment. Are you getting this? Every time you feel the desire to condemn someone, judge them or accuse them, you're listening to the voice of the accuser. You're listening to the, to the one that judgment has been placed on. Even when you condemn yourself, Even when you blame yourself, what are you doing? You're listening to the voice of the accuser, the enemy, the Satan is his name. He wants you to judge yourself and judge people because the judgment is on him and he doesn't want you to know that. 
Now judgment is on this world, and now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Hallelujah. So I want you to take all of that anger and animosity you had towards a person, I want you to cast it on the, on the, on the devil. Why? Because his, see, the enemy, the enemy loves to inspire people's behaviors. I'm not saying people may not do you wrong, but you got to realize the root behind it. You got to realize the person behind it. You got to recognize that when people do you wrong, it's not the people. The Bible says people are blameless. Ephesians 1, we are blameless before God. God doesn't blame people for what they do wrong. It's in your Bible. The Bible says that we are without blame in his love. I'm getting the, the judges upset. Because we want to blame people for what they did. You said, well, God told me something the other day. I was hearing, I'm, somebody was, it was a comedian, I think, who was talking about how, he's like, dang, I can't talk about anybody. If I talk about, <laughs> I forgot who it was. If I talk about this person, this group rises up and starts condemning me. I think it was Dave Chappelle. <laughs> right? It's like, and there's like these rights group. We've got women's rights, men's rights, animal rights, you know, LGBT rights, everything. Everybody got rights, right? And you know what the Lord said to me, Nadine? He said, rights is code for legalism. Rights is another way of bringing us back under the law. God is not, God, God doesn't want, see, we're not even supposed to be seeking our rights. We're, we're supposed to give up our right. Yeah. To love, you got to give up your rights. <laughs> That's why I said we don't deal with fear and right anymore. We operate out of favor and love and grace. That's the kingdom of God. So instead of seeking your rights, How about we give it up? Why don't we give it up? We need a no rights movement. I have the right to be this way. I have the right to be this. I have the right to do that. We're never going to love. We're never going to be able to bring the kingdom down to earth effectively if we do that. We seek his kingdom first, his righteousness, not ours, his righteousness, and everything else will be added to us, man. You don't need to fight for your rights. Seek his rights. Seek what's right in the kingdom and do it. Just do it. And God will favor you because he's not dealing with you based on what's right. Abraham didn't do everything right. God blessed him and made him a father of nations. David didn't do everything right, yet God entrusted him with the kingdom to lead his people. God is not blessing you based on what's right or wrong. <laughs> Ryan got it. 
Are you getting this? This is the kingdom. God does not bless you based on what's right or wrong. He's not, he, he doesn't need that. That system of right, what's right, is going to be a never-ending struggle because it's always going to be my right against your right. Her right against your right. Who's right? So there's only one righteous judge. <laughs> and he said, I don't judge anybody. Hallelujah. Say, I'm not going to judge myself or anybody else anymore. John 7 said, I mean, Matthew 7, Jesus said, judge not and you won't be judged. <laughs> it's as simple as that. So what do I do then? How do I get, how do I make sure that I'm treated fairly? Don't worry about learning how to be treated fairly. Why? You know how they say favor is not fair? Favor is not fair because it's not. So guess what? God doesn't, if you go to God based on what's fair, he has to treat you according to what's fair. But if you just simply go to him knowing that he's gracious, God would just, go to, God would just simply favor you. So even when you don't deserve something, he can still give it to you because he chose to. Come on, church. Let's get out of this right or wrong thing. No one is righteous. Not one. Right. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Hallelujah. We don't live according to man's righteousness. We live according to the righteousness of God. And when God declares a man righteous, if God declares a woman righteous, they are righteous, not based on their works, not based on their behavior, not based on their past, but based on his word. I call you righteous. Therefore, you're... Hallelujah. Come on. Can the righteous say hallelujah? hallelujah. Woo! Come on. You are righteous today. And it's not based on our works. So, whew, glory to God. See, you're getting free today. And I don't need people to look at me and call me righteous. I know what the Father says I am. Where are your accusers? Where are those who condemn you? When people are busy judging you, looking at you and trying to figure you out. You let them. And you recognize that the God of the universe favors me. And that's better than trying to be right in your own eyes. Because I believe in him, he favors me. Not because I behave in him, but because I be believe in him. <laughs> ah! Those who believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, everlasting favor, everlasting goodness and mercy following me all the days of my life. Not because I'm right in my own eyes, not because I do everything right, not because I'm perfect, but because I'm loved. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. 
Take the eyes off of, your, off of, your, off of somebody else. Get it on you. Just look at how loved you are from God. You don't got to worry about other people. I'm telling you. Just simply re- just become blinded. You can see what's good and evil. That's the knowledge you have today. You can see both. Choose to see good. It's as simple as that. You have the knowledge of both. You can see the evil in the people. I know you're good at that. We're all good in that. We're good. At, we're, we're good. To saying what's wrong. But I'll tell you what takes faith. What takes faith is to see what's right in people. What's good in people. That's, what, that's why we walk by faith. Not by sight. Now Vito's here, so now he can start playing. Thank you. It's amazing how when we look at other people's sins, we become good judges. But when we look at our own, we become good lawyers. We're amazing judges when we look at other people's faults. But when it comes to ours, we become amazing lawyers. I did it because we could build a case as to why. We can argue as to why we did what we did. But the minute we see one fault into somebody else, we want to put the hammer down, condemn them. My point is, you can see what's good and evil. Christianity is about choosing to see what's good. And you overcome evil with good. Hallelujah. So right now, I want you to respond to his grace. God is not treating you based on the merits of what's right, what's wrong, what's fair. He's treating you simply on the basis of grace. His mercy triumphs over judgment. Ha! His mercy triumphs over judgment. I was a mess. I did so much wrong. I don't deserve to be here. I lied all the time. I stole. I was addicted to pornography. I wasn't clean. I wasn't holy. I wasn't doing everything right. I hurt many people. But the reason why God chose me is because... He made me his choice. It was his sovereign choice. He gets the right to do whatever he wants. He's God. So when I began to realize, man, my behavior is not what God is looking at to determine whether or not he wants to bless me or use me. It's just simply because he chose me. And I want you to know today, God chose you before the foundations of the earth. God chose you right now, right in your sin, right in your mess, no matter where you've been or what you've done, God still chose you. God still elected you. God still called you his own. Hallelujah. So right now, I want you to just lift up your hands and receive this grace, receive his mercy. And I want you to let go of the spirit of judgment. I don't judge anybody anymore, and you shouldn't either. Because the Bible says that. The Father isn't judging. Jesus isn't judging. 
And the only person that we ought to judge is the devil. You judge the devil. You call him defeated. You call him condemned. The devil is defeated. The devil is under your feet. Sickness is under your feet. Everything associated with Satan, we overthrow. We cast down. Satan, you are the one that's under judgment right now. You are the one that's condemned. You are the one that is under judgment. And we declare that you are defeated. Devil, we declare that you have already lost. No longer will you deceive us. No longer will you trick us into accusing and getting into the spirit of blame and the spirit of accusations, we declare that right now we will choose love. We will choose grace. We will choose forgiveness. We will choose mercy. And we will receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be released on us. The power that brings change. You see, and the Holy Spirit will change people when he's ready. We don't got to force people to change. Our job is to love. And as we love people, we are creating, we are creating that bridge, so to speak, for the Spirit to flow through so that He can keep meeting them and reaching them and filling them with that crystal clear, pure water of love so that He can pour into them and bring out the best in them, including us. Right now, I wanted you to pray this with me. I don't know if anybody in this room, you never heard the gospel preached like this. You thought that you had to live at your best and be on your best behavior so that God can bless you, so that God can love you. And I want to break that off of you right now. That you don't have to work. God loves you. God loves you on your worst day just as much as he loves you on your best day. That's agape love right there. <laughs> That's unconditional love right there. Whew. Glory to God. Come on, somebody needs to get excited about his love. I know right now it's probably just too good to be true for some of you. It just sounds like it's... But you just got to get vulnerable to it. Say, on my worst day, I am loved just as much as on my best day. This concludes another life-changing teaching from Hungry for God Church. For social media updates and more teachings from our pastors and leaders, please visit our site, h4gchurch.com.